Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about how bodybuilding and the fitness industry have changed. Yeah, so I really want to start out by saying, even if you're not a competitor, even if you're not in the fitness industry working professionally, this is still a really good episode to tune into because not only are we going to speak about bodybuilding and competing and just the ways we've noticed the sport change, but we're also going to be talking about the fitness industry as a whole because whether you like it or not, we're all influenced by our environment and what's around us and what we listen to and who we follow and what we consume. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast podcast today tells us that you're probably in the health, fitness and wellness industry as either a professional or personally. Yeah. And I think it's a good opportunity for us to break down stereotypes that may have been true back then, but are no longer applicable now. So this episode comes off the back end of someone who posted in our Q&A box. So thank you for all of your questions yesterday. Um, And they did ask, what is the biggest difference in comps from now Um, From when you started to now, so around 2016 till 2022, we're not going to go before 2016 because that was a whole nother world in itself. We'll just keep it relevant to our time when we were fully immersed in it in 2016. Yeah. So I believe we both started competing in the same year. Do you remember how old you were back then? How old were you in 2016? What was that? Six years ago, 24, 23 or 24. Yeah. Yeah, I I reckon I was um, 21 or 22 uh, when I first stepped on stage. And when I think that sounds so young, doesn't it? Like when you think of like a 21-year-old competing. But something (laughs) we were speaking about earlier is 2016, it's not that long ago, but boy has things changed like when it comes to competing as and in the fitness industry, especially as a whole. Oh, yeah. And we've both had this experience, but we'll, you know, share a little bit more. But I remember when I worked at Fernwood Fitness, um, loved it to death. And then I started going on my competing journey and was comp prepping. I was like the only one and the Mm. only one that the staff knew competing. The only one that members are like, what is it that you're doing? And I told my friends and family, hey, guys, I'm doing this thing. Dad obviously understood and mum because dad was a bodybuilder. But all my cousins, everyone, they kind of just laughed almost and like oh okay like no one thought that I was actually going to do it and now Mm. they look and go holy shit but it was just such a random thing back then for a young woman to want to do it yeah um yeah so I found that quite interesting yeah really well said back in 2016 social media was really sort of just starting to might have been I don't know when Instagram started but it was around those sort of years where social media was really just becoming a thing and you know um certain federations were being created and this new way of competing was being born. And obviously we look at federations like the WBFF and they're very different to old school bodybuilding or even IFBB, right? And that just wasn't an option. It was very black and white Mm. um, many years ago. Whereas when we first started, things were getting uh, less taboo and a little bit more... I want to say like niched, but accepted in some parts. And similar to what you said, Danny, like when I first started looking at fitness, even just like lifting weights, I used to have to explain myself to a lot of people. Mm. Like I used to have to explain why I wanted to go to the gym or explain what like lifting weights would do. Like it wasn't as well uh, educated or put out there because social media wasn't such a big thing that people thought that if you touched a weight, you would blow up like an IFBB Olympia bodybuilder um, or you just go running and turn into an endurance athlete they didn't see what it actually did so I think back then the biggest difference is like just the lack of um I guess uh accepted or the lack of awareness I should say around the industry and competing as a whole oh yeah and um off the back of that people when you would say I'm going to the gym they'd be like you don't need to lose weight like people just thought you know to go to the you know what I mean like oh you don't need to lose weight what why are you going to the gym for that was like what people thought the number one reason to go to the Mm. gym was and it's just like no I want to get strong like it's fun and and again you find yourself explaining yourself which it's fine then it just got a little bit annoying and a bit confusing then you start Mm. to doubt yourself as a young kid like should I be doing this and yeah so different 
That is so interesting. <laughs> I literally just had a big throwback then because, yeah, like when you'd say I'm just going to go to the gym, the response was you don't need to lose weight. You like mm-hmm. you don't you don't need to change your body, right? That was the thing, and it's sort of like. I feel good. Like it, it makes, it's got more benefits than just physical. Like there's mental health benefits of training. There's obviously cardiovascular benefits. There's lots of different reasons as to why we go to the gym. And now you would never get ever, you'd never get someone say that. Um, so it's very interesting because I think one of the things like back in 2016 is like, it was hard enough convincing people why as a female, as a young, healthy female, you needed to go to the gym. It was another level trying to, tell people that you were lifting weights to compete in a bodybuilding show, right? And when I first started, I know I've shared this a couple of times, but it was very much taboo and to the point where I just didn't tell anyone Mm -hmm. that I was going through my first comp prep. Like I did it on my own. I didn't tell anyone, no friends, no family at the start, um, only Luke. And I have my social media on private. And that's where I started trying to connect with like some other people who were doing this because I felt very much alone. Whereas that's just not the case anymore it's quite the opposite yeah for sure and the fact that you had to put it on private and the fact that you sort of didn't tell many people about it um it you know that's what you felt right back then but it's so different now I feel like everyone screams it from the rooftop um which it is what it is but that was the reason why I had a separate fitness account as well because my initial thought was no one cares about this you know Mm. it's just something where a little place where I can just show my small journey and and all of that and you know, now that's what's sort of grown and, and all of that. But it was interesting that you were almost a bit shy or embarrassed or unsure at the start just because it was so different. But obviously you and I followed what we loved um, and that's what's led us here. But back then, I mean, coming from bodybuilders, bodybuilding in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, it was more about big men or stereotypical like women in figure division and and Mm. all of that a completely different look um so of course that's why people associated bodybuilding with that because that's all they saw on tv and in magazines and it was a little bit it was like an undercover transformation where all of a sudden different humans were drawn towards the sport so Mm. i don't know what happened in between there but somehow people like you and i just started doing it Well, I think back then as well, it was very much a physical sport. And by all means, it still is. Like it's a very much an aesthetic, how you look, you're judged on appearance. But somewhere along the way when health and wellness and fitness became more than just how you looked, I think these other divisions were born, these other other federations became more popular. Women saw it as opportunities to start looking after themselves, to start challenging themselves, to start building strength that is a away from how they looked right because as like the fitness industry when we first started it was all about like you know what, what's the old saying it's like five seconds on the lips five years on the hips you yeah, know those oh, old yeah. sayings that used to be thrown around where everything that we did with health fitness and nutrition and training was about how we looked and it's, it might sound sort of like contraindicating between like well bodybuilding is about how you look but it obviously wasn't for us back then like mm-hmm. it wasn't cool to do It was not the cool thing to do, but we were drawn to do it because of some of the other things. So I think for us and for a lot of other people that started competing, you know, all those years ago and absolutely well before it, they, and it sounds so cliche, but they, they found their reasoning as to why they were doing, doing it. That wasn't just attached to the validation because the validation was not there at the start. I didn't feel like it was the opposite for me. It was like devalidation. It was like, why are you doing that? And it was a little bit of a shame. And like what you said, embarrassment. So it wasn't really about the validation from a social media perspective, because there's definitely people out there who only compete for the social media status. I would say that's Mm. one of the main reasons why a lot of people do step into the sport these days. Oh, yeah, and it's a dangerous game to play when you do it like that. But, um, yeah, back then, I mean, once we started, you know, we met, um, you meet your small community of people who who are competing. A lot of my friends I met at the posing classes because, Mm. again, when you typed in like fun, they were fun and and you you meet people and when you typed in on Instagram like bodybuilding or competitor, not many people would come up. You'd have a few people like you and I and and that's how we met, but it was still a, a small kettle of fish so you had to actually go there or you know Mm. spend a lot more time at the gym you and I were quite young we were studying we weren't 
working full time, we had time to hang out and spend our time trying different gyms or popping down to the local supplement store and seeing what they've got, (laughs) you know, taking photos, holding the different supplements and and all of that. And then eventually our big break would be getting a a mini sponsorship from, you know, a protein bar company or, you know, that's what our fun was. And maybe it's because we were young, but, you know, it was also because the industry was different. Um, But it was just more about finding that community because you and I knew we were different. We, We had different passions to the norm type thing. So it was really fun to be able to find that small group of people back then to do all those things. It was just so fun. Yeah, absolutely. I remember even like going down to the Arnold Classic for the first time. <laughs> we like backpack. I went down on V-Line, went down on the train all on my own from Ballarat when I was at uni. Oh. And like I just I just wanted to meet people. I didn't know anyone. There was no social media tagging and stuff back then for me personally. Like it was becoming a thing. Um, but obviously when it's less popular, there was less people doing it, right? So like you said, when we went to those posing classes, there was like a handful of people there. Even my first show, like I think there might have been like maybe 20 people in my division which is probably not tiny there's definitely other federations and categories that might only have like five people on stage back then I definitely remember watching figure there was like two people Mm. on stage because it definitely wasn't as um accessible as like something like bikini so I think with popularity changes like it wasn't as popular back then therefore less people doing it whereas now quite popular very trendy a lot of people doing it I would say the peak for in in the last few years has been around that 2018-2019 mark Mm. and that's when we transitioned to the WBFF Um, and I remember my first show there was 80 girls in my division there was 80 and I remember thinking like that was the before they started splitting up short you know how it was just short yeah yeah (laughs) I was just short now we competed together didn't we that was May the 5th like our first I'm sure we did our first one together so yeah we're in the same category 80 80. category there was short short like there was just short sorry whereas now there's short 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 medium short tall yeah there's just that medium tall yeah yeah medium tall there's just that many um short tall there's just that many uh there's just that many bikini competitors because of the popularity and obviously back in 2016 when there wasn't as many people on stage it was easier to stand out and there was like not as much competition I would say um whereas now it's it's the absolute opposite like a call out is an incredible achievement for a show now Mm, mm. It's it was interesting because back then it was kind of like you would do IMBA if you were new, yes. which is now ICN. Um, before even thinking about doing IFBB, NABA, WBFF type thing, or um, AMB as well, the two yeah. natural federations. So your first one was AMB, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, Come mine on. was IMBA. Oh two peas in a pod um because that's what you thought you're like oh, I'll start with a smaller show type thing you know not too many people on the stage um very very different you'd bring a couple of people to come watch and that's it it was down in your local area too easy yep. but then yeah now it's changed which is great where the other federations are sort of more welcoming in terms of people's confidence I'm sure they'd always be welcoming but the stereotype was no those federations are for professionals people have been in it for a long time which it's good and bad I mean the fact that it is a little bit more common means there's more diversity in the standard um, yes. which people have mixed opinions on. And, and I understand that everyone's on their own journey, but it mm-hmm. still has to come to a point where it's like, okay, what are the, the guidelines around who should get on stage and who shouldn't? I feel yeah. like a lot of people are getting on stage now when they shouldn't. And I don't mean just from a physical standpoint. I mean mentally or mm-hmm. because they think oh, I've been training for a little while, this is what I do. It's like, you bounce a basketball once, does that mean you try and be in, you know, a, a professional basketball? Well, no, like it's it's yeah. not always about that. So I feel like the fact that it's more common and welcoming is great, but it's also misleading for people. 
I absolutely hear you. And I think it comes down to expectations for a lot of people as well. Like they might be expecting to look like a pro because everything makes it look so seamless and easy and you can get in shape in eight weeks. They might expect that that's what happens when you start a comp prep um, because of the social standards that they're surrounded by and the environments, the people they're following, like maybe, uh, you know, they're following the pros like ourselves and they think that, you know, they forget that we've been doing this for six years because, Mm you know, you just, it's social media, it's instant, you see what happens. So I think the expectations has a big piece to that, but I completely agree, Danny. Like, I think from coaches, there needs to come a level of like grit of being like, you know, you're not ready. And I, I have no issue with saying that to clients physically, um, if they're physically not there, like, even though we do it for, for mental reasons too, like, I, I, I want people to have a good experience regardless. And like I said, if you're on stage with like, a lot of girls, like you want to have a good shot of just like, like without sounding like vain mm. or anything, but you want to have your best chance because it, no one wants to, like everyone goes there to win, to be honest. Mm. Like that's what, it's the competitive nature of it. And there's so many other benefits too, but I think the standards have definitely shifted because um, like I said, the, the popularity has changed it a lot. Uh, but even now, like you look at some of the girls on stage and uh, you, the top 10 is almost all pro worthy. Yeah. Um, and the there's only ever like one pro card to really give out in a category generally. And the, the judges have a tough time. And mm. because there's so many people, like the best are going to get called forward. But now there's 10 of the best instead of one. So your chance of actually placing amongst a host of other um, women or men or whatever is significantly less. So I feel like that standards and those dynamics have definitely been um, shifted. Yeah, and that definitely comes off the back of more education in mm. dieting, in actually looking after yourself, in in all of those pillars that make up a beautiful physique. I yeah. feel like there's way more education now. I mean, when you and I first started doing meal plans or flexible dieting, no one knew what flexible dieting was. Everyone knew what a 1200 calorie meal plan was. But when you had to explain flexible dieting, you know, we sound like a broken record because no one knew what it was. Yeah. Um, So people are definitely more educated on finding ways uh, to get in that condition that suits their body as an Mm. individual without the extremes. Um, And then of course, like, more access to performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, maybe our awareness is on it more, but you and I both feel as though it's more easily accessible. I mean, it's been around forever, um, but I think, yeah, as I said, it's just easily accessible. You can sort of walk into any gym and there'll be someone there who can give you whatever you want type thing. Um, so it's, yeah. a, it's been interesting to observe as well. Yeah, absolutely. And another reason as to why it's accessible is like social media gives you access to every comp prep coach that you know. Oh, well, this is a, you know, a comp prep coach that preps IFBB, Olympia, bikini pro athletes. Like, of course, he's going to have access to and the knowledge for cycling different drugs, right? So I think think the standards absolutely have shifted because of that because you'd never run a cycle on your own to be honest like you would always want a coach or someone else with experience to guide you through that I would hope I'm sure there's people people don't yeah yeah oh that just makes me scared as friggin (laughs) like like, that makes me scared but what I'm saying is like generally people that might not have done it on their own they've got the confidence the reassurance the authority the coaching um and the guidance to do that now and you know i think it's important to recognize that for a lot of people um performance enhancing drugs or anabolic steroids it's a part of the sport like for a lot of people and we're not discrediting that at all it's just about saying it's there it's prevalent um it's in a lot more people than what you think and i remember reading somewhere as well about they did this um, study where they they tested how many, not physically, but they asked, like how many people in different gyms, like anytime fitnesses and just general oh. fitness clubs were on or had tried performance-enhancing drugs. And it was like significantly more than you would ever expect of just general population um, using drugs too. So, of course, in the sport, people are getting more educated, not only on that and more access to, but then I would also say um, advancements in training knowledge has also come so far. Like we look at our own glow up when it comes to training um, and bodybuilding and hypertrophy as a whole. And like, I look back to the way I used to train back then to what I thought would build the body that I needed to turn pro. And I know that it's, uh, yeah, I was off the mark. (laughs) Yeah, but we we all learn that way. And um, I think it is important to recognize that people are 
going to take performance enhancing drugs but then it's kind of like that crossroads between uh, as you said are they taking more now because they're comfortable and there's better education there um, or the opposite but I think it is important to not turn a blind eye and, and think that no one's going to do it so I think that it's best um, to provide safer environments I mean obviously you can't really go and talk to your GP about it you know getting blood tests and things like that like which is it is what it is I know some people have, that do there are some people that do and I think you know not to encourage it but then also to encourage it like I think it is good for people to have someone to do their health checks if they're going to take steroids you know and then and, and really look after themselves like why would we pretend that it's not happening we should just better facilitate the use because it's not just our sport it's people who aren't even um competing or doing any sport i remember you know stereo sonic the music festivals you'd mm. hang around the guys like yeah i'm gonna do a cycle for stereo and summer and and all of that and do you think they got health advice no way in hell but yeah. you know it's gonna happen no matter what um it's kind of like you have the you know in public um areas you have the needle bins and stuff like that it's just no one's saying don't do it it's like okay how can do we just facilitate yeah safe use you know what mm. i mean so i feel like um yeah being more aware of it and educated is great we do need more health professionals who can offer advice because it is happening yeah that's a really good point I think it's a really important thing for everyone to be aware of and acknowledge as well and I guess like even moving on from that like you know maybe not between the like between the then and the now like in between there like you know 2018 2019 when things started started to become more popular and probably peak in terms of popularity divisions like bikini became really established um, and really popular right and I think along with that riding on the wave of more advancement with training and like more awareness around steroids all of that sort of stuff the actual standards of bikini became insane right Mm -hmm. didn't they like if you looked at bikini on stage when it first started it was like your bikini body at the beach It was like toned, lean, like athletic, slight abdominal outlines. Like that's what bikini was supposed to be. And then it it went like, I don't know, like as lean as fitness, but not as much muscle. (laughs) That's Mm. almost like what bikini turned into. And that's where the standards has honestly sat for the last few years where some, um, and I was listening to a podcast a while ago, how they were talking about with IFBB, they're starting to tone down their bikini and not allow them to get as jacked or as lean um, Mm. and rewarding the softer look as well, like um, which is not mainstream yet. This is only, I feel like, where it's just starting to go because they're recognising that with performance-enhancing drugs, women can just get bigger and leaner and shredded and more and more and more, and that's that defeats the purpose of divisions and categories. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because I feel like over those years, just in that time that you said 2018, it's beca- it became more accepted for women to train really hard. And, you know, people were more educated on ways to train and exercises and train your glutes and all of the, the muscles that help you win on stage, you know, shoulders. Um, women were, it was more accepted for you to push really, really hard in the gym. And it was also more accepted to be in a surplus and to have times in your training where you weren't always lean and times in your life where you weren't always lean sorry and and just more accepted so I feel like the social norms and acceptance are also shaping the sport and just allowing people to feel comfortable with making those changes because Mm. when you and I first started imagine if we had to be in a surplus and then sort of deliberately put on body fat everyone around us would be like what are they doing but it's just easier now because Yes, your immediate family and friends still might not understand, but you can put yourself in an environment with a community that do understand and that will allow you to take the steps needed to enhance your physique when it comes to um, stage time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can see that now with even more divisions coming out, like wellness, for example. Mm -hmm. And I know one of the reasons why wellness come out is because of um, different cultures getting into the sport. So, for example, the Brazilian girls, this was the category that was very much made for them um, because they do have such well-developed lower bodies um, and little petite upper bodies. So, bikini is supposed to be proportioned upper body to lower body um, whereas wellness is supposed to be out of proportion 
supposed to be bigger down the bottom and smaller up the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's happened. Those things are happened because of the diversity now. So not only like bodybuilding was very is very much established in the US, right? Like America does fitness well, right? Oh, yeah. Like the gyms over there are insane. Australia is like late to the party, but not the latest to the party. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like it's become more mainstream now, right? Like competing and bodybuilding still very small niche, but sort of, you know, in the general population now too. Whereas other countries, like I said, like Brazil, like other different states and, and countries, they're starting to compete too now. And it's becoming more global, more accepted. And that's why we're getting more divisions like wellness um, come through. And I know there was a lot of controversy around when they actually took bodybuilding for women away. Do you remember reading or hearing about that? What do you mean? Sorry. So it was, I think it was the IFBB. They took away the actual bodybuilding category for women. So there used to be figure and then bodybuilding above that. And they they took that away and they got a lot of backlash from that because it's like, well, what are you trying to do? Like sort of downsize everyone. But it's interesting to look at the the evolution of um, the divisions and why they've come up. And we look at bikini and like how crazy popular is it now? Or even like I said, when it peaked to be a bikini competitor, like everyone wanted to be a bikini pro. Yes, yes. And that I still feel like that is the case to the point that it, it's definitely deterred me. Um, mm. I really enjoyed being sort of like the underdog or the outsider yeah. in what we were doing because not many people did it. So I think that might be an ego thing and it definitely is. It's definitely validation. Um, but I rode that and it made me feel good. Um, but it's definitely a lot more common and people... I don't know if it's because we're older now and we can look back in hindsight, but people's prime goal in life is to become a WBFF bikini pro. And since we've both achieved that status, we can kind of say, guys, like, yes, it's an amazing goal to have, but you need more in your life. Now, Mm. I don't know if that's just, yeah, as I said, my age or experience speaking or the fact that it is a lot more flooded, that that title will not actually get you much without hard work behind it or without utilizing that or without you know putting effort into other areas of your life after and as I always say you win the title and yes in our bubble of competing you're like royalty but then you step out in the real world no one knows what it is or cares you know what I mean so it's just interesting to see a lot more people having that as their prime life goal yeah I, th- I don't think it's um it's definitely not you I feel exactly the same whereas yeah like once you like you said it could be in hindsight we've earned that status and you're like oh, nothing really changes but then the other part of that is and it, it still is the case but to get a to get a WBFF pro card it's a lot of work like it's probably one of the up there like with IFBB right it's one of the most prestigious um professional statuses to get in the bodybuilding world and it's reserved for the top right so as a society we thrive off um social hierarchies and Mm. role models and status it's what makes the world go around and that's never ever ever going to change so i think because that was there and like you said because it's becoming more mainstream um because it's having more of a marketable approach because it's a business because they want more pros because things like this are happening because the standards are improving all these factors make it like you said more accessible for people there's a hell Mm. of a lot more bikini pros out there these days and it's taken it's diluted the quality of that status a touch in my yeah (laughs) um but this is why it's super i think it's a great thing because it's sort of like well no one should be doing it for that anyways um the same reason is like when we compare back in 2016 it wasn't cool to do it wasn't taboo so this is what divides the people that are actually going like doing it for the right reasons um versus the ones that don't and i think that this is like a taster of like where it might be going in the future it's really really interesting and i think a big um change as well around that 2000 well we last competed 2019 but then straight away we went into a pandemic um in the start of 2020 so you mentioned earlier going to the arnold's and the fitness expos and that's where everyone from the industry would just get together and you know you wanted you, you went there with your empty show bags and got supplements and i was you know working there handing out supplements and buying the clothing and interacting and it was just a whole world of just mm-hmm. it was was just amazing but 
now it's not about having the biggest booth, like a physical um, place where you can exchange objects, you know, businesses had to move their products all online because of the pandemic. So with moving online is the emergence of athletes and people representing your brand and Mm. the hierarchy. It's not just about your title and how you are in a physical sense. It's like, okay, how can you bring more people to our online platform? Are you quirky? Like, are you good at making reels? Like, are you really good looking and people are going to click on you? Like it's just really changed how marketing and product placement and, and athletes representing brands, like really what it is. And Mm. I'm almost thinking in a way, which I feel like it might reverse and we'll go down that track later, but now it's almost less about, and dare I say less about talent and what you know, and more about just attention grabbing bullshit and, and not in the fact of saying facts, doing a dance posting something funny with a pet like something that's really short and snappy like people are getting rewarded for that and I feel like the academics and the actual good coaches and people who have worked hard and maybe I'm speaking for myself it's kind of like okay now I need to jump on this bandwagon and completely change everything mm. do you feel that from a sense of competing or a fitness industry movement as a whole both yeah absolutely both what do you yeah. think yeah I definitely see it with the um And there's always going to be two lenses, right? There's Mm. always going to be two lenses. I'm trying to divide myself as like a competitor versus like a business person. I'm trying to like divide myself at the moment. But I think from a fitness industry as a whole, absolutely it's changing. Absolutely it's changing. And there's two ways that we can look at it. One of it's we can get pissed at it and just resent it and stay just doing what we think works and go nowhere. Or we can mould, adapt, find what what aspects we like that don't make us cringe, um, (laughs) ride with it and create our own um our own brand awareness and our own values uh and individuality from that mm. from a competing sense it's it's disappointing if it goes down that month but that pathway because i know marketability is a massive component of what you're marked on but it's so like what is that and you know mm. they define it by like how you present, how you're marketed. And I can see that from a poise, from a beauty, from a stage presence, from a, from a posing, like how well do you hold yourself? Like that's important. You know, you can you can walk on there and your, your presence can change everything by how someone perceives your physique, right? So, of course. But then, like you said, like there is there's no way that social media presence or any of that should come into the sport. Um, and I know, like you said, like, the, the status of the brand itself was almost built off social media. Um, and the reason why that pro card is so valuable is because of the pros that are pros and the status yes. that they've got, right? And that's, like yes. I said, that's what makes the world go round. Like mm. that's, there's no dividing that. Um, we have hierarchies for a reason. And as a society, we actually need it to survive and feel safe as well. So I definitely see that shift and change. Um, I'm just not sure what the solution is. <laughs> No, and and if we can move in tap from now into future type thing, it's definitely um, people are wanting connection again, and and I, I'm pretty sure you taught me this actually, and you know people are wanting are turning to podcasts slowly. I mean, we're still addicted to reels, and you can scroll for hours and just watch a thousand different topics on and take away nothing, and you're like, what have I just watched? I've just watched mm-hmm. cats and dogs for an hour, yeah. uh, but I loved it. But, you know, where is the connection? People are really craving that. People mm. are, are now, um, I went to the one of the talks um, or convention, sorry, in well, Sydney. Was it was interesting. It was from people who owned, you know, franchises, Snap Fitness, F45 and, and Emerging Gym. Some of them had over 70 sites type thing. And they, they spoke a lot about um, the kind of clients that come through the door and the surveys that they were doing. Uh, And one of them, they asked, well, why are you joining the gym? And back then it was to look better. Now it's to feel better. Mental health is suffering again on the back end of what's just happened. And maybe we're shedding more light on it and we're able to talk about it more. So it is apparent. I'm not saying it's never been an issue in the past, but the numbers and the stats on why people are coming into the fitness industry, it's less about how they look and more about how they feel. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's really important from a business perspective um, to understand that too, because I've even noticed that shift and change in the way that we've gone with the coaching because 
like you have your goal that most people come to you with and everyone will be able to, you know, know that we all come with usually aesthetic goals or losing weight or losing fat or whatever it might be. But the why people stay, i.e. your retention rate, um, and why people are really coming to you because they can go to anyone. So why are they coming to you? It's going to be about the brand, the community, and how you make people feel rather than what you can actually do for them. So it's it's a really good insight because I think, yeah, off the back end of COVID and isolation, et cetera, people are starting to really recognize how important communication and connection is. And I um, it's always funny. I feel like I say this line way too often, but I did a post on this yesterday. <laughs> um and I, I sort of said something like people are becoming so paralyzed to yeah. post on social media these days. They're just so paralyzed and in their head. And I want to shake them. Yeah. And I want to go, you know, you can just drop that like hot photo of yourself or you can just like upload a photo of whatever you want to do. Like you don't have to paralyze yourself into feeling like you've got to show up in a certain way or with a certain status or whatever that might be. And I know we've spoken about social media a lot in the past, but I'm speaking to the people that just want to post and they are nervous to do so and they just are paralyzed to even share their opinion or who they are or just connect with their audience. And I think, um, like, I just dropped this random photo and someone's like, there's a sock under your bed. And I'm like, yep. Like, I did notice that. I'm like, man, I love Sherelle. There was a sock under your bed. It's yeah, great. Right. <laughs> Why? Like people are, and look, I'll say this, like history repeats itself. Mm. People love like seeing authenticity and whatever it's going to go perfect everyone wants perfection people will get sick of it they'll go back around the other way they want to see the socks under the bed they want to see <laughs> like they want to see this sort of stuff relatable it's relatable but what i was saying is in a culture that wants you to keep scrolling um and just wants you to consume and move on and consume and move on and get addicted to just being on the platform and doesn't want you to stop doesn't want you to stop and be stagnant and check in and say oh this is a great post or like hey what's up or check in with people Be the person that does that because you would much rather get back to the people in your comments or your DMs or interact with your favorite influencer or whatever it is and show that engagement, connect with them because that's what it's all about. And I feel like people have gotten lost in the whole status, the hierarchy, the the following, the number, and it can be easy to do. Um, but one doesn't necessarily lead to the other. And it's really important to recognize that social media is supposed to be social. Like we're supposed to be there to connect and engage. That is so true. And because social media is more popular and we'll just um, box it into the fitness industry again, I feel like people have posted the same things over and over and over and over and over again. So maybe people are paralyzed because they can't come up with something new and different. And I can totally understand that because you don't want to be that person who's just posting what someone else has posted. But then you have to remember as a coach, as a trainer, or even someone on your journey, like that's your journey right now. And you still have your pool of clients who are watching you. You don't always have to be the next leader, you know, creating a new movement just for the likes, you know, post whatever you're comfortable with, because your followers are following you to learn from you. And Mm -hmm. I I had a um, Zoom with a client yesterday, and it was so humbling because I stopped sort of doing Zoom appointments. But then I thought, no, this person's in quite acute pain. Um, I just want to connect with them and see where their mindset is at. And it was so humbling because even I can get lost in, okay, how can I be different? How can I, you know, do whatever? What's next? Um, That I, I spoke with this lady and she just needed the bare minimum, the basics. And that just made her day. And it's like, Wow, how many people are we actually losing in our big ego race to to the never-ending journey because it's not going to stop until we all just fall down from exhaustion. It's like we're losing connection along the way. We're losing people because it's becoming more complicated, more, you know, the higher standards, it's higher and higher and higher and higher. A lot of people don't actually need that. So we, as you said, spend more time connecting. Don't just chase the number and that validation. It's about, okay, actually connecting with the people that you do have, whether it be followers or clients. There's no point getting clients on and then they just feel like another number. Yeah. You know, maybe cap the amount of clients that you're taking on and actually spend time to remember their dog's name, make notes about them and actually talk to them and interact like a real human. Mm. That's what we need. And that's what we actually crave. Mm. I actually hate the word followers. 
Like I actually hate that word. Like they're people. Do you know what I mean? Like followers. It's such a weird name. Like it's such a weird way to categorize everyone. It's just this thing that's following along with you. It's like, no, like don't forget that the people liking, sharing, commenting, they're real people. Like, like picture them. Like someone's like, oh, they've got a hundred likes. I'm like, picture a hundred people in a room. That's so true. A hundred people in a room. Like sometimes I have to stop and think, like Luke's like, do you know how many people fit in the MCG? I can't remember how many it was now, but it was like. A hundred thousand. Yeah, that when I hit a hundred thousand Instagram, he's like. That's amazing. That's the, that's the MCG. And I'm like, whoa, like you don't actually <laughs> think like that, right? You yeah. just think, oh, it's only a couple hundred likes. And sometimes you've got to pull yourself up and like tap into your ego. Oh, it's just two comments. That's two people. Have you spoken to two people down the street? Oh my like, God, that's so true, man. You don't think about it like that. Mm. And I think um, when you come back to, you know, all of that, it's the same direction of the fitness industry as a whole is people really coming back to the connection side of it rather than just the authority and the status side of it. And like I said, as a society, we need both. But from a like from an enjoyment level, something I've definitely um, integrated into the way in which we coach and something that I recognize really important for me is that connection piece to like the client and the girls to actually like add fuel to my fire as a coach because I'd be miserable if I just sat behind a screen and did nothing like I need connection and collaboration to give me energy inspiration innovation like um, drive because we all perform better when we like the people we're working with that's just fact right if we enjoy what we're doing and we like the people and we feel like we're making a difference and helping um if we're just posting on freaking instagram and i know a lot of people that have a lot of followers that are absolutely miserable because all they do is they make money off followers not people right they're not coaching they're they're just influencing and sharing discount codes and selling a product and like i said some people have an amazing lives but it's about being self-aware enough to know what do i need and i would argue that connection is a fundamental human need we all need it in yeah. some some aspect and people are so quick to demonize social media as a way of like oh it's you know it's bad for your health it's like no the way you use it is bad Right, like mm. everything in the in the dose. If I stalled like fifty liters of water, I'd probably die. Like that's toxic to me. <laughs> yeah. But it's the way in which we use it, and it's the same with social media. I'm like, you can use that as a tool to connection. I mean, like it got us all through COVID. Yeah, like don't demonize it and feel like you can't touch it at all. Mm, very interesting. No, I appreciate you sharing that insight, and it always is very grounding and humbling. Um, it's just so easy to get lost in it for the reason that it is designed, as you said, to keep us on like Mm. a never ending Ferris wheel. We're just stuck on it and on it and on it. And it's like, you have to try and find a way off or set boundaries. Like try not to always step on the Ferris wheel or open your social media, but it's very hard because we're battling against very smart people, billionaires from this, from getting us addicted, the algorithms, the same people who make um, the pokies and gambling yeah. and and validation like these people are designing this to play with our brain chemistry mm-hmm. so don't be hard on yourself if you do find it very challenging because they're making it challenging whether it's a ding or the color or this or that or it mm-hmm. pops up on your your phone and and everything but um yeah just I just love everything that you said about recognizing the importance of true connection and two people is two people, you know, and, and even if it's no one, it doesn't matter. It's not a reflection on you, but um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think as well, something that was different between then and now is um, along with that is the comparison side of it. Like when I first started competing, I had no one to compare myself to. (laughs) Nada. Like there was no one that I was like, no one's doing, like I have no, no comparison. Whereas now you are, you have access at your fingertip to the top 1% in the world doing Mm. the thing that you aspire to do. Now, like what we just spoke about, this is only a negative thing if you abuse it and if you don't have the right mindset towards it. And this is why competing is not just a physical sport because it's usually the mentality uh, towards it that lets the most people down uh, and stops their true potential because they're looking at people that are you know chapter 21 when they're at chapter one and thinking why am I not there yet and they're getting frustrated and feeling jealous when they could be inspired and learning and thriving um, along the way so I think something that's very different is yeah like Back then, I, I sort of didn't go on social media as much because it wasn't a normal thing to sort of have a smartphone just at your touch, like finger yeah. point, to be fair. Mm. Um, but then, like I said, the second option is that 
everything on socials went so filtered and so augmented and so perfect and so pristine and so you know the best of the best is all you saw and I I had this warp sense where I didn't think I was good enough to do the WBFF because I I didn't know what the the rest of the 79 competitors at the back looked like I just saw the top five call out and it'd be really easy to think that if you had never been to a show. And this is why I encourage everyone that wants to compete, my own clients included, that um, speak to me. I say, go to a show before you even think about it. You have to see it. Like you can't yep. go off social media because that's not the reality. That's the highlight. Very, very true. And they often just post the best athletes and the best of this. And it's it's not one federation, it's all of them and, and every business and every every product. And it's always a highlight reel. Um, and it's so interesting with filters and everything. But I don't know, I always find myself in the mindset of are we becoming more aware or are we just talking about things more and making them worse than what they are? So, for example, with filters, I can understand how augmenting your face, um, it, it can really cause harm to some people. But we've been using filters since Facebook and MySpace. I used Snapchat. to always, yeah, Snapchat, you know, you just chuck a filter on. I used to have all my, when I was really young, a teenager, you make your photo cool and warped and that would be yeah. a display picture. You'd have your sunnies on, you know what I mean? Like, the difference is at the moment is people don't know reality from from um okay from highlight. That's the difference now is like yeah. perfect three six five, like those programs, your 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 cool sunny thing, like mm. you know, your big strobe light thing. Like, it's very <laughs> obvious that that was like yeah, okay, enhanced. Whereas now people are like crafty and they literally like Photoshop their waste to try and trick people that that's the way that they look. Now, obviously, that's yeah. the extreme, but we do we do warp sense of this with the way that we pose. And, like, I am a, <laughs> we are bikini pros. Like, we are not here to say that we don't like looking good and working hard to change our appearance. We've both had cosmetic surgery. Like, we're open in saying that. Mm. And I, I, I just think it's the, the way it's harmful is when people's expectations don't line up with what the reality is. We yeah. need to know as the consumers that we're going onto a platform where we see the highlights. And yes, there's going to be people that preach body positivity and show their cellulite and do those sorts of things, which I think is amazing too. Um, but it's just about realizing that, yeah, like what you see is not always what you get because it's a 2D image and we're yep. 3D beings. Mm, and I wouldn't step on a stage that is designed for you to be judged if you don't want to be judged. So yeah, I exactly. feel like it's, and that's fine. It's like Australian Idol. You know, you, you used to watch the auditions and people couldn't sing and everyone around them told them that they could and then they get to the moment and then they're so oh. surprised and they're like, but mum said I was good type thing. You know what I mean? We don't want to be in that scenario. Oh. And not everyone's a singer, not everyone's plays sport, not everyone's a good drawer. Like, it's okay. Like, mm. don't get upset about it. I can understand the appeal because it's so glamorous and everyone makes out that if you compete, your life's amazing and, mm. and people obviously want to do that, but it's not. It's just for a select amount of people who enjoy getting judged on stage because that's exactly what it is. Um, yeah. It's it's the most rewarding part, and as we've said a million times, is who you become along the way. But you can do that in any shape or form. You can do a photo shoot. You can join a social club. You can learn an instrument. There are so many other ways to get that validation that doesn't involve stepping on stage. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think, you know, back then, back in 2016, we sort of knew that it wasn't the normal thing to do. Whereas a lot of people now almost think it's the next progression. It's like, oh, I've done the challenge. I've done a photo shoot. Now I'm going to compete. Like, and it's not, it's not like that. It's a completely separate hobby. Like just because you play tennis doesn't mean you're not going to progress to basketball. Like it's a different sport. So it's yeah. about realizing why we're doing it. And like I said, with the rise of social media, it's made it more accessible. And I, I know that that's the way that the brands want it to appeal because at the end of the day they're a business and they want hundreds of competitors they want it to be massive and that's fine because like I said it's a business but never lose sight of that the exact same that Instagram is a business like all everything around us and I feel like now I'm in business like the servos <laughs> everyone's a business and they've always got their own sense of what's going to make them thrive and survive as well but we always have to do that u-turn and go where am I at what's what's important for me not just my short-term health but also my long-term health and that might be a good segue now to maybe chatting a little bit about the future of the health and fitness space um 
um, and maybe competing. Yeah, and we've we've already mentioned that it, it's heading more towards mental health, body positivity, mm-hmm. and I'm noticing a lot of people are stepping away from the sport, including myself, probably because of an age thing. Once you hit the age where you want to prime your body to have children, competing on a stage um, for bodybuilding can uh, hinder that ability. I mean, you can lose your period, you spend more time and energy in fight or flight um, and all that. So it really just does depend on your life goal. But the fact that we are talking about women's health a little bit more and even men's health, you know, we, mm. we can't um, not include men's health, but people are more aware and perhaps able to recognize their why behind the competing. Was I actually just running away from a shit time and I wanted to get really lean and distract myself? Maybe I was. How about I just stare at it, you know, um, face on or head on and deal with the underlying problems? I feel like a lot more of that is coming into fruition, which is great. Um, Mm. Having such an extreme goal, whether it be competing or working or doing anything, is a great way to cover up pain and discomfort and all of that. Um, But I do recognise now that more people are okay with getting help externally rather than just setting a really harsh goal and covering it up because it's always going to be there if you don't address it. Yeah, really well said. I think that's definitely coming to light. And we're seeing that now where, like you said, mental health is becoming like people's focuses. It's like, it's like, what's your goal? It's like, I just want to feel confident. You know, that's mental health, like having Mm -hmm. self-esteem and self-worth as well. And it might also be that age part, like you said, Danny, like getting to our late twenties, you know, like around that 30 mark, like we've got to be mindful of like, you know, fertility and our childbearing years and what we want to do moving forward. And you sort of get to this age and you've got to make a choice. It's sort of like, you know, am I going to start wrapping things up? Am I going to do another show? Am I going to, you know, hang the heels up, whatever? Um, or am I, and a lot of people have kids and come back to it, you know, mm. but there's always going to be this little bit of a break, like for women in general. Men tend to get well, better. Well, and men though, because the quality of the sperm is zero if you're on cycles as yes. well. Yes, yeah. and sperm health is really important. But what I'll say is like, obviously we're the one having the baby. Yeah. So like our body is going to, have to change and evolve of course and you know like for for women that get into the sport like postpartum as well like incredible but you've got to rebuild um as well and that's going to take time it's going to take years you know once you have your children get back into the sport etc and then you just got to be realistic with what your goals are what your priorities are and a lot of people will have might have a shift you know in what their actual priorities and values are but i think that's a really important thing um for the future is I think body positivity and, and like you said, mental health and just other aspects of fitness that aren't necessarily body composition related are really becoming um, popular. Like, dare I say, they're becoming popular. Like mindset coaches, like all these mm-hmm. sorts of things are becoming more popular in the fitness industry as a part of that wellness component. Yeah, even training styles, you know, not so rigid, getting outside and going for a run or going in a park and doing pull-ups, just anything that makes you feel good um, is so important. And um, it's just, yeah, I really, I don't want to see the sport die out. Like, no, it will never die out ever. I feel like it became diluted and then it's going to become a little bit more niche again, which yes. so it should, cool. and, and yeah. I really hope so. Um, but then people who do compete will hopefully be a lot more mindful about mental health and the reasons why they're doing it um, and not to be so harsh to the people around them. It, it can be a very masculine sport and it is until you sort of dress up everything else about it is very masculine you're on the go you're grunting you're lifting heavy things you're not really listening to your body signs to slow down sleep and all of that Mm. Um, you neglect washing your hair you don't really paint your nails and stuff like that Um, so I also notice a lot of women wanting to and, and I had to go through this as well just getting more in touch with femininity again and being a bit vulnerable and not having that hard exterior you can do both um but I think the most important part is just the awareness around these things and being able to actually hear people talk about it and recognize it within yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. We went through a really solid phase where, yeah, resistance training and lifting weights became the the popular thing. And I'm really glad that we did. We got away from being cardio bunnies and moved into that and became mainstream for for women and everyone in general. Whereas now that is almost in my eyes the standard. And I know still I know there's a lot of population out there that still think weights will make you bulky and all that sort of stuff. No one listening to this, but that is still absolutely out there. But now what I feel like is coming on top of that and compound 
surrounding is this wellness aspect, whether it's yoga or Pilates or movement or cardio in general, like balancing it all or group fitness or whatever. I feel like this whole wellness side uh, of moving your body and movement and fitness is coming back through. And again, moving away from just a strict body composition focus. And I think that's an amazing thing to happen because like you said, Danny, it gives people optionality. It's not black or white. It's not cardio or weights. There's so many other ways to do it. And I love the challenge that that puts on us as coaches too. Like people yeah. want to know about Pilates. They want to know about mobility. They want to start learning about um, longevity with their training and, 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 you know, less is more and doing these sorts of things. It is becoming sexy, which Again, everything comes in wet, um, trends, everything comes in phases and what comes will go and everything goes around in cycles. But this is definitely the next couple of years. I think we'll see that big shift even more into the wellness space. And we see this as well with like trackers, aura rings, like other things as well that's collecting health-based data, the yep. big hierarchy on sleep, right? Yeah. Like back in 2016 when I had sleep insomnia, no one was talking about getting to bed on time. No. It was not the cool thing to be doing. No way. Whereas now it's all the rage. And I think it's just following that sort of wellness movement. Yeah. And it's just absolutely fantastic. I definitely love the way in which it's headed. And I just want people to feel as though they're not alone in what they're doing. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a phase that I'm at in my life as well. And you as well, obviously, we're both leading by example with ourselves and with our clients and and just really being a little bit more lighthearted about life mm. and, and recognizing, hey, there's going to be times where you push times where you pull back and times where your priority change. You might want a bit more of a physique and, and sporting-based goal or you might want to pull back and go on a nice holiday, spend time with your family. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. It's just about what you want and the intention behind your actions. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing that I think is um, it's already definitely shifting, um, but one of the big things that I noticed myself going through this where we obviously had COVID and, you know, body um, decomped a little bit or, you know, and, and I wasn't lean all the time um a lot of us especially in the competing scene sort of attach our identity to be to looking a certain way where we think oh this happened when i was lean and therefore when i'm not lean like no one will love me that's what our subconscious tells us is like mm. you will no longer be accepted when you do not look like this and that's a very very real thing that a lot of people go through but i think we're starting to see less people idolize the lean because of all the things that we've spoken about the the awareness around performance enhancing drugs and not idolizing people for just starving themselves all the time and not looking after their own health because then they won't look after their clients overall health and also realizing we've spoken about this Danny but realizing what it takes like are you willing to let go of relationships of career of business progress of mental health of of certain things to achieve this extreme goal because you know there's no such thing as balance we usually have to let go of a couple of areas because that's just what it takes yeah. and I think people are starting to recognize oh it takes that and I actually don't want to do that like the pain is not worth that result yep Exactly right. And it would be nice if we can, you know, idolize people to use the word that we've been using rather than idolizing their looks, idolize their lifestyle or don't yeah. idolize anyone. But we're always going to idolize people. It's just normal. You become interested in what someone's doing. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely noticed that more. I don't look at people and say, wow, they look amazing. I look at people and go, wow, they're having fun or they're riding yeah. the highs and the lows of life. They're able to have mm. kids and spend time with family, but then still be a boss and or whatever it is. Um, I'm definitely noticing that shift in in the content that I consume as well and what I watch and who I hang around with it's mm. like tell me about your life like how yes. are you writing it it's not always going to be amazing but how do you get out of those hard times and mm. and how do you maximize the good times um, mm. so it's a really nice shift to see yeah I've I, I catch myself now like I no longer idolize people for being incredibly shredded because I know <laughs> that actually just like eating nothing and moving more is not a massive achievement <laughs> like it's really not we can all do it right like we can all do it but I was even saying or thinking I was saying to a good friend the other day when I was home like one of my really good high school friends she's just like had her second baby and um you know, went to the baby shower and all that sort of stuff. And I was saying to a good friend, I was like, you know, she's just so inspiring in the way that she is so selfless in everything that she does. Like she does everything for her husband, everything for her kids. She shows up with a smile, like sleepless nights with the newborn. Like, and I was just like, I caught myself being like, 
that's incredible, like to do all of those selfless acts. And I just find myself, whether it's an age thing or whatever it is, like being inspired by people that just show those traits of being humble, of being kind, of being good people, rather than the physical side, because you get to that chapter of your life and you realize that, oh, well, like it doesn't matter what my partner's body looks like. It matters what type of person they are and how they're going to look after me and how we're going to provide for each other, the lifestyle we're going to build. And I think that you just, you you begin to appreciate that so much more once you realize that your body will fluctuate and, you know, your body fat percentage will change and things will come and go naturally. Yeah. And it's, that's so nice of your friend to to be in that state and congrats on the new baby. Um, But the more people we've met in this industry, you recognize that yes, a um, body composition that that they want can come from a place of love, but it can also come from a place of pain. And often yep. the people, as I've said, and, and what I'm just noticing, the ones that are so fixated on how they look and, and all of that are the ones that are running away and have the most problems and they're not yep. facing things head on. So um, be careful who you idolize. They might mm. look amazing, but maybe they're going through a tough time, which is sad for them, but they probably won't post about it as well. So it's hard for us to know. Yeah, hard for us to know, but really important that we have that lens up just to be aware of it. And mm. like I said, catch yourself out. If you feel like you're, you know, idolizing, saving, you know, people as your background that are shredded and, and really aspiring to look like that because it's very common, yeah. um, you know, you might want to just question like what is it about this person that, that I'm actually looking up to? Like what is it about it? Like for sure, like sometimes the discipline and the structure, like in the resilience in some people is admirable um, because the result is the result of those things. But as you mentioned, Danny, not always. And it's really something to be incredibly mindful of on social media when there is just so many highlight reels of everyone's best angles, best selfies, um, best wins, and they don't show sort of the hard side that comes along or what it actually takes. Yeah. Interesting times. I wonder what we're going to be talking about in the year's time or or even more about the future again. Will it go back? Hopefully not. Um, but I'm sure things will level out in a quite diluted um, industry right now. But, you know, it's a good thing. We need more people in, mm. I'm going to call it the health and wellness industry. It's no longer really the fitness industry. We need more people. We need more education. And, um, yeah, people are, are showing up in a different way and, Um, we'll see where it takes us yeah I'm excited I'm excited so thanks everyone for sending through your questions we when we read this one we're like oh that's a whole podcast so we better speak about that because yeah it's definitely something that both Danny and myself have been thinking about and yeah thanks for um, tuning in and listening and and taking our views on it if you did resonate with this episode and you did enjoy it please do take a screenshot and share it to your social media thanks everyone